Welcome to Frost & Sullivan's Growth, Innovation, and Leadership Briefing. Today's event is titled, Boost Your Company's Growth with Frost & Sullivan's 2020 Healthcare Predictions and Trends. Our presenters today are Arnita Das, Partner and Senior Vice President, and also Kalmanjet Barrera, Senior Industry Analyst. Both of them are part of our transformational health practice here at Frost & Sullivan. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Ranita. Please begin. Thank you so much, Anna. Welcome, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from different sides of the world. Thank you so much for joining our webinar today. 2020 healthcare predictions. Wow, it was only the other day that I started my 2010 healthcare journey with transformational health at Cross & Sullivan. Today, we're delighted to go through some big predictions for you for what we see as the decade of the 2020. Just in terms of what we will cover, we will talk about how we did in 2019 with our predictions that we made last year in December. Then we'll look at what the market projections look like by major sectors and regions. And then we will present to you our top eight predictions for 2020 globally for the healthcare industry and move on to then identifying the top growth opportunities by the healthcare sector. We'll also have a poll question as well as some Q&A at the end. Before moving into our predictions, I want to be able to start by sharing the methodology we used to be able to develop this. As part of our annual prediction exercise, we engaged almost 50 healthcare experts within our healthcare team. We collected their insights on key technologies, themes, and mega trends that would have the most profound impact on the healthcare industry. Additionally, we also ran an external survey with healthcare CXOs and KOLs around the world to get their predictions. And we put this together into our 2020 predictions. It's also important to note that all our predictions are backed by dedicated research studies that are already published or will be upcoming on our frost.com as part of our research calendar. So how did we do in 2019 predictions? As you can see on this slide, we made eight quantitative predictions across various sectors, and only two of them were relatively conservative and did not pan out, the two that are circled in yellow. So the first prediction we made was that by the end of 2019, up to 15% of global healthcare spending would be tied in some form or the other to a value-based outcome model. Globally, the concept of value-based care is, is obviously becoming an integral part of national health policy reform. However, considering value-based care initiatives take significant time to implement, roll out, and enforce, we believe that this trend will, cannot happen within a single year. So we, we see countries like US, Sweden, UK, Netherlands, France, and Canada adopting this system. There are at least 50 publicly disclosed deals so far in terms of innovative pricing agreements in terms of pharma and health authorities. France, Italy, Germany, Spain, and UK are expected to increase, especially high-priced targeted therapeutics. And global pharma companies like AstraZeneca, Merck, Amgen, and Eli Lilly have multiple value-based pricing agreements 
with leading healthcare systems in the U.S. and Europe. On the medical device front, leading OEMs like Medtronic, GE, Striker have already developed risk-sharing agreements with larger health systems and payers. One great example that I can think of recently is Medtronic and the United Healthcare announcement where an annual 27% decline in the rate of preventative hospital admissions for Medtronic mini-med insulin pump resulted and came out of their value-based agreement. The second prediction that we made on AI, saying that the AI market for healthcare IT would cross $1.7 billion by the end of 2019, and as close to 31% of hospitals were expected to aggressively invest in AI-enabled healthcare IT products like EMR, RCM, and telehealth, did not pan out to the extent we predicted. In fact, in reality, we are projecting that only about 23% of U.S. hospitals and less than 15% of all healthcare enterprises globally are projected to prioritize commercially viable AI solutions for actual investment, resulting in a drop of market share of AI products from up to around 35 to 40%. From an investment point of view, however, healthcare continues to be the lead industry in terms of attracting AI-related investments and venture funding. We see that in the first half of 2019, AI funding in healthcare crossed 1.4 billion marks, which is 10% higher than the same period during 2018. While pharma sector AI investment deals continue to pick up, especially for drug discovery applications, in the medtech sector, vendors such as Siemens, GE, Philips emerged as leading AI patent holders in the healthcare space in the first half of 2019. Our third prediction was related to digital health coming of age and focusing on individual care. We predicted that by the end of 2019, IoT-based digital solutions catering to remote individual care service markets would cost $26 billion globally, with major growth contributed from RPM solutions and telehealth services. This obviously came true, and it has been validated as per Microsoft's 2019 IoT signal survey that 82% of global health healthcare enterprise IoT decision makers suggested to have at least one or more ongoing projects in this area. Our fourth prediction was related to Asia. We predicted that by the end of 2019, up to 10% of healthcare research and development by private drug and device companies will be invested to local, localized innovation in emerging markets such as Asia. This prediction did not come to the level of extent that we had thought. Ross and Sullivan finds specific countries are emerging as geographical hotspots in the Asian markets, such as China and South Korea for pharma, and Singapore and Malaysia for medical devices. However, when it comes to localization of pharma R&D activities by global MNCs, we find a mixed bag of experience. For example, some companies like Novartis, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Roche have continued to increase their R&D footprint and investments in countries like China, whereas GSK has plans to pull out continued regulatory hurdles. Some countries in China and South Korea have recently increased their R&D spending to scale up their novel drug pipeline. 
On the MedTech front, we estimate that process of, that Asia Pacific will become the second largest market by revenue globally by the end of 2020. And select countries such as Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and the Asian region will continue to emerge as regional manufacturing hubs. Our, t our fifth prediction was focused on healthcare data analytics, shifting from big data to meaningful small data by hospital speciality. This panned out extremely well. We predicted that by the end of 2019, 50% of healthcare companies will have resources dedicated to accessing, sharing, and analyzing real-world evidence for use within their organizations. And we find that about 80% today of U.S. healthcare systems, which is both payers and providers, are using basic to advance analytical solutions for real-world evidence. Our sixth prediction was focused on voice. And we expected that during 2019, HIPAA-compliant voice and chatbot applications for healthcare will gain prominence um, in this space. No doubt today, voice assistants have become a common augmentation tool and continues to change the way consumers behave and access digital media entertainment, including adoption in clinical care settings. For example, voice is helping healthcare organizations to realize a lot of cost savings by dealing with routine queries like AI-backed messaging and optimizing customer experience in the care continuum. We also found an increased interest among healthcare IT vendors exploring applications for voice technology when combined with AI across activities such as medical transcription, clinical documentation, robotics, nurse chat box, and interactive voice apps to augment physicians, hospital staff, and patients across, across the care continuum. In the next 12 months, we are expecting more personalized voice systems with contextual understanding will become a larger focus. For example, voice-enabled intelligent platforms for elderly and home care are expected to have a very huge impact on the healthcare industry. Our seventh prediction was related to blockchain. And we said that about 5 to 10% of healthcare-focused enterprise blockchain applications will move from the pilot stage to partial or limited commercial availability. And we find that 2019 has become like a record year for healthcare industry collaboration in this respect in terms of working groups and consortiums to scale pilot use cases into commercial deployment. We have many examples of this. Some notable examples that I want to share today is the one with, with GuardClime, which is in collaboration with IAM, which launched MyPCR platform, which is available to 30 million UK NHS patients in, in, in um, the United Kingdom. In China, we see Zong'an, which is a Chinese insurance company, which is partnered with 100 hospitals to implement DLT data management solutions. IMI Europe launched Project Melody, which focused on federated learning for drug discovery. And Mediblock selected part of the South Korean government MyData project and, is, and has established partners with three of the large medical institutions in South Korea. <clears throat> the last prediction was related to private insurance models shaking up the healthcare payer market. 
we had expected that about 5 to 10% of healthcare insurance plans will be linked to lifestyle and health data-driven interactive policies in some form. And we have seen this pan out. In fact, our research suggests that 60% of insurance companies have expressed interest in having their insurers offer healthcare services that just go beyond standard treatment products. For example, in the last 12 months, major healthcare insurance companies globally, some examples are Prudential in Asia with Babylon Health, Discovery in Africa in terms of their vitality program, Manulife, Sun Life in Canada, United Health Group, Cigna, um, all in the United States have launched new programs and have remained forefront in this trend. Before we go on to the 2020 predictions, I want to start with a 30,000 feet perspective of what are the top <clears throat> mega trends going to be for this decade. As we look to 2030, we see 12 transformational themes emerging, which will have direct and indirect implications on the healthcare industry. Now, it's important to note that we have content and analysts who are specialized in each of them, so I will just briefly touch on some of them that have impact on the healthcare world today. The first one, obviously, is transhumanism we will begin to see much more aggressive manipulation of biological, neurological, and physical factors. And the human-machine evolution will rapidly evolve to a stage of cognitive achievement, which will be characterized by AI tools that possess sentient capabilities. We're also entering an autonomous world where intelligent technology systems will operate without human interface, enabling the emergence of innovative business and care delivery models. We are beginning to see this already in the automotive world today. And what level do we expect to see in the healthcare world by 2030 is a big question. Connected living. Consumers are using various devices to experience compelling new services that integrate voice, data, and um, and uh, video to provide access and connectivity any place, any time. Within the next five years, we see an impressive range of customized solutions in the healthcare space that will connect the hospital, the home, the workplace, and the community. We're also moving from an industry 4.0 to industry 5.0 systems which will focus more on advanced human-machine interfaces, which means much more integration and hyper-personalization. Digital reality, we're already beginning to see the use of this in certain aspects, virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality in the real world. Intelligent assistance will optimize and personalize daily experiences. Apps will be replaced by social bots in the next 10 years. Uberization has already begun, and we're beginning to see the rise of a platform economy. In fact, today, seven of the world's top ten companies, Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, and Tencent, are based on platform business models. And this will continue to happen as we move forward. Let's move on to the global predictions that we have for 2020. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about what we estimate our market size and growth numbers and then come into the actual predictions. 
So amid rising global trade tensions and a very sluggish global economic outlook for 2020, the global healthcare market is expected to cross 2 trillion mark during 2020 and a growth rate of 5.3%. Now, it's important to note that when we define the healthcare market, we're only including manufacturer OEM revenues, and it does not include the healthcare services market or the provider market revenues coming out of hospitals. Globally, 2020 will be a reality check for long-pending national healthcare policies and regulatory reforms that must invigorate future strategies. So what do we see happening in different parts of the world in 2020? I'm going to start with China because that's where the biggest change we see happening in healthcare. China is already catching up with the U.S. on some important health metrics, and we believe in the next five years, China will cross the U.S. for the, the following five different areas. First of all, China's life expectancy has almost caught up with the U.S., which is about 80 to 82 years. China hopes to surpass their doctor-patient ratio. Currently, in 2017, it was 2.5 doctors to 1,000 patients. It's going to get up to three doctors per 1,000 patients by 2030. In the U.S. today, it's about 2.5. China is also pouring billions of dollars into public hospitals. In terms of pharma, it has revamped its drug approval system with average approval times that has been reduced by one-third. It was 35 months in 2011, and now it is cut down to 11 months in 2016. Phenomenal. In fact, some foreign drugs and medical trials are approved quicker in China than in the U.S. The number of drug reviewers have increased three times more in the last six years. We have 1,600 drug reviewers in China currently. In terms of global party cell therapy pipeline count, China is second to the U.S. All this activity has really increased venture capital funding in the startup space. And VC funding in China has quadrupled fourfold in the last three years. And today it stands at around $17.6 billion. Telehealth is an important initiative for the Chinese government, and it has recently launched a new online platform for hospitals in Shanghai. And this platform is expected to reach 350 Chinese hospitals this year and cover more than 3,000 public hospitals, which is almost over 70% of the nation's public hospital system. In terms of other emerging markets, ASEAN countries are seeing very favorable government policies, and this will expect to boost medical tourism as well as digital adoption and medical device manufacturing in countries like Philippines, Thailand, and Malaysia. South Korea also is aggressively pushing digital technologies in their healthcare services. In India, the government's Anshuman Bharat scheme, which is the national health coverage for around 500 million underprivileged citizens, will continue to scale and gain access over the next few years. Today, the population coverage is as much as 40% of the entire nation to as high as 75% over the next year. The government is slowly increasing the pricing, and it's expected that it will increase in the next few years, therefore improving the quality of healthcare, infrastructure, and coverage. Africa is a very interesting country to watch for the 2020s. 
Nearly all African countries have endorsed the new African Continental Free Trade Agreement, AFTA, and trading is scheduled to commence in 2020. Progressive implementation of this rule is expected to reduce the reliance on imported medicines from other regions, and this will raise the volume of exports within Africa, especially northern African countries like Algeria and Morocco, which will emerge as the regional pharma drug manufacturing hub. Africa's pharma market is one of the fastest growing markets in the world today, and we are expecting that it will reach around $60 billion by 2020. It also has the fastest growing mobile economy. The continent is a global leader in mobile money adoption and usage, and telehealth and mHealth business models are going to seize this opportunity for higher quality care in the region. We expect that the health and wellness sector in Africa will be worth $259 billion by 2030. So this is a tremendous growth opportunity that we cannot not look at in the decade of the 20s. In terms of Latin America, we are expecting Brazil and Mexico will be the top medical tourism destination for the Americas region in the next few years. With U.S. falling off the trade tariff increase in Mexico, the outlook for Mexico's medical products export to the U.S. will stay positive, especially for low-end medical device products, things like hospital supplies and dental products. In terms of the developed markets, let's start with the U.S. Obviously, healthcare is on the top of the list of political topics in the presidential election year. Voters are clear the majority in both parties want some form of universal coverage. They want inclusion of existing systems as part of their coverage. Drug pricing will continue to be a big debate during 2020, and price transparency rules will take effect. In the UK, as part of the NHS long-term plan, AI will be deployed to improve patient care pathways and innovate staffing deficiencies. Financial frameworks will be adjusted to kind of incentivize the use of state and evidence-based AI and ML technology. In Japan, we see a lot of adjustments in the future in terms of reimbursement drug pricing which will decline the medical use market in the short term, while this will also help to reinforce growth in the long term. Breakthrough CAR-T approval in Japan will serve as a gateway for the product's global reach in 2020 and boost revenues for this country. With this, I'm going to move forward to a polling question that we have. Um, I would appreciate if you all could answer the polling question. Uh, the question is, tell us one key technology you believe will have the highest revenue impact on the healthcare industry during 2020. And we have five choices. It's AI, data analytics, cloud, blockchain, or anything else like mHealth, wearable, AR, or VR. And I'll give a, a couple of seconds for us to take the time to run the, to answer this question. I'm going to pass it on to Kamaljit, my colleague on the phone, as part of our transformational health practice. He's one of our visionary health analysts, and he will take us through the key predictions for 2020 and the growth opportunity. Over to you, Kamaljit. Thanks, Renita. 
And uh, before we move to the prediction section, I just wanted to set the stage that being mindful of the time, today we will be discussing the top three predictions for 2020 in detail. And the remaining five, we will kind of touch base, highlighting the key takeaways or the key highlights uh, out of those uh, remaining five. So quickly moving to the prediction number one, uh, what we predict is that social determinant of health analytics platform will gain traction during 2020. And more specifically, in terms of quantification, we believe that by 2020, or uh, about 40% of the US health systems and commercial players uh, that are insurance companies will utilize social determinant data of some type in making risk assessments, patient outreach, and business decisions. So what actually is driving this? Uh, based on recent research with, that suggests that medical care accounts for only 10 to 20% of health outcomes, while other 80 to 90 remaining at, are attributed to either demographic, environment, and social economic factor. In fact, as per a recent industry survey, in US alone, 68% of patients have at least one social determinant of health challenge. For example, 57% have a moderate to high risk for financial insecurity, isolation, housing insecurity, transportation, food insecurity, among others. Now, we believe proactively engaging the right patients based on their social determinant of health can improve health outcomes and health health organizations meet quality standards. These social determinants of health accounts for a larger portion of overall health outcome than medical or medical care can determine. With that, you know, I would just like to again pull in Renita to, be, you know, to share her perspective, given that she has been talking on this very topic at different forums and conferences globally. Renita, can you just share some of your perspective, what you are hearing from the people or the KOLs as part of your discussions in the past? Yes, Kamaljit. Actually, um, I can never start a discussion on social determinants of health, especially today, without um, giving note of Bernard Tyson of Kaiser, an icon in our world who actually championed this cause uh, so aggressively with Kaiser. Um, I, I believe personally that loneliness is the number one chronic disease uh, in, in the U.S. as well as in the rest of the world and it cannot be solved with drugs and therefore it's so important for us to look at other factors in terms of um, you know housing and economic access to uh, better quality of food education etc that will play an important part and there are amazing programs today all across the states of the u.s that are looking at social determinants of health and customizing it to, to the region and uh, the demographics for that particular um, state. Um, and we're making some exceptional progress in this area, and I'm really excited to say that in the future, many, many hospitals are going to get into real estate for providing housing uh, for people who are homeless, and we're already seeing Kaiser at the forefront of doing this. Over to you, Samajit. 
Thanks, Renita, for sharing your perspective. Now, moving on the same part, now let's let's identify what does it mean for you no know, different stakeholder in healthcare in terms of when it comes to social determinant of health. Now, talking about the health IT information technology vendors and the PHM platforms, the population health management platforms, we believe that there will be a continuous focus on platforms and applications that can continuously track and analyze outcomes while demonstrating a positive ROI on social investment. And those type of platforms are expected to get significant uh, traction or adoption both by the provider and payer organization. Just to quote an example, in the last month, Anthem announced the plan to roll out a new Medicare Advantage supplement benefit in 2020, which will include 10 benefit users under a social determinant of health for, for its Medicare Advantage member across 12 states of the United States who, can, who will be able to select the benefit that uh, no, provided under as they enroll into the program. Similarly, Humana, which has been uh, uh, pretty long in this player from starting to 2015, uh, have strategies as part of its uh, well-known program called Bold Goal Program to improve the health of its communities by 20% by 2020. And entering that, what we believe that in next five years, social determinant of uh, health data will be a critical component uh, to optimize individual care cost and improve the quality of care. And health IT vendors are going to play a significant or pivotal role in enabling healthcare providers and peers to achieve this with no uh, sorted analytics inside. Some of the you know, key vendors uh, already in the game would include LexisNexis, Rig Solution that provide a socioeconomic health score which enables healthcare organization to view patients as people living in dynamic lives and create transparency that drives highly informed care decisions. Recently, an RCM vendor, Waystar, has acquired a social determinant of uh, uh, predatory analytics firm such as Paro to identify patients who would uh, quantify for or rather qualify for charity under a provider financial assistance policy. And similarly, when we talk about there is other vendors who are working such as Carrot Health who are working on providing SaaS-based model to deliver actionable insight to health plans and health system for improving population engagement and health outcomes. Now, when it comes to pharma, uh, we believe that as we discussed about the pricing debate happening in the U.S. as well as we see it in the emerging markets like the China also having strict regulation or checking on the pricing of generic drugs. What we believe that moving forward, pharma companies should evaluate the opportunity and imperative to address social strategy for every drug, especially the high-priced targeted therapies drug that have different ethical and concerns around the pricing they uh, incur. With that, let's move to the second prediction for today's discussion. Our second prediction is around AI, and during 2020 in healthcare, we believe AI will both develop more use cases and face more ethical challenges, beginning with radiology, which is, or the AI in imaging space, which is one of the most mature space in terms of AI adoption, in terms of actual clinical use cases. Now, specifically, what we see that AI market in imaging is expected to cross 400 million by end of 2020. However, most of the startups or innovators will be forced to rethink data use, training, 
validation and implementation practices to convince the community of ethical, fair or no harm use cases. And so what specifically is going to kind of change this pivot from a you know, euphoria to kind of checking the real ethical and no harm use cases is that uh, we believe that no doubt AI in the recent past has advanced tremendously in you know, increasing the accuracy rate for diagnosing, detecting disease is climbing higher and higher. But a very pertinent question still remains is what happens if something goes wrong? Especially this question is from radiologist community who are generally accountable for this type of task. Now entering this we find that perceived safest way for physicians to use AI for a liability perspective is more as a confirmatory tool for existing best practices rather than as a, as a way to improve care with new insights. Now from a spending or procurement perspective, the market will change, uh, change to solutions or kind of you know, prefer solutions which leverage AI technology of some kind in their solutions versus thinking about standalone AI as a direct purchase. Now, so what would the impact on different stakeholders with the providers, health IT vendors, pharma and imaging? Talking about the health IT vendors, what we see that the priority will still be given to legacy and non-clinical applications, more in terms of the workflow optimization, um, uh, operational optimization, leveraging specific element of AI such as machine learning, speech recognition, natural language processing technologies in the back end to automate workflows. Uh, some of the workflows which are finding high adoption would include claim education, coding, improved EMR performance and detecting medical payment fraud among others. Now as a result, dedicated investment on AI on short term as Rinta mentioned is expected to remain low and we believe about you know, 20 to 30% investment that we are dedicated for core AI such as you know, anti-death, brain cloning, hologram, telemedicine, etc. will be shifted towards mainstream IT investment to upgrade the existing infrastructure at health systems. In terms of pharma, we anticipate the first molecule discovered using AI to enter early clinical trial phase by end of 2020. And there is a quite promising you know, uh, happening in 2019 from a company such as Insilico Medicine, which provide an AI system for drug discovery called as Gentle which was able to you know, ideate and generate a new molecule from beginning to end in just 21 days, which would have typically taken somewhere, um, somewhere into eight months and even two years at some times. Now, during 2020, AI startups focused on drug discovery will expand their global coverage. Primarily, the European companies might set up operation in US given the effect or the uncertainties associated with Brit exit and the local market conditions. With that, uh, coming to the medical imaging space, what we believe that currently about 75% of the AI companies in the medical imaging space are focusing their efforts on image analysis use case primarily. Now, entering this, we predict that operationalizing AI platform across medical imaging workflow, mostly to augment radiologists to analyze images, would result in a 15 to 20% productivity gain in their workflow in the next 12 to 18 months. 
And typical example is that uh, in a, a recent pilot testing of AI yielded around 99.4% of time saving in analyzing a chest x-ray scan in a center at UAE Medical Fitness Center. So th things look promising in AI, uh, more from an operational work stream optimization, but we are still uh, know, uh, quite a way to go get into real decision making or the supporting clinical decision making process in leveraged by AI solution. With that, let's move to the third predictions which we will discuss in detail is on uh, the more specifically, you know, talking about the annuity based model which would kind of propel the gene therapy commercialization strategy in 2020 and beyond. Now talking about uh, annuity based model, this provides kind of a sustainability uh, uh, towards the reimbursement model which we believe would, is essentially going to unlock the commercial potential of gene therapies which generally come with a very high uh, price tag. And by that we believe that by end of 2020 the gene therapy market uh, revenue by revenue will reach around 2 billion dollars. So what's actually driving this? You know? uh, as of 2019 there are about uh, 370 clinical trials pipeline which demonstrate a strong you know, healthy clinical pipelines. Mostly most of these uh, candidates are in the phase one and phase two but we have uh, promising 32 uh, candidates in the phase three as well. Some of the major clinical assets include uh, Bluebird's uh, lenticlobin for beta thalassemia, Novartis AVXS101 for spinal muscular atrophy uh, patients, Biomarin's uh, BMN270 for hemophilia and uh, Viagra therapeutics for Parkinson's diseases. Now secondly in the recent past what we have seen is one of the key trends which was not you know, driving this commercial success was the low demand and shortcoming with the current reimbursement model. A typical example is uh, the launch of the uni uniquarent gene therapy by Glybera, which created a lot of buzz when it was launched. But if you see the reality, so far just one patient has been treated uh, despite having reimbursement in countries like Germany and Italy. Now, what we believe is that uh, while the challenges pertaining to patient monitoring are becoming critical, regular with you know, vigorous regulatory mandates. Uh, uh, asking for timely monitoring of patient by uh, treating physician highlights the need of uh, real-world evidence solutions in order to justify the ROI of health outcomes. So what does that mean for different stakeholders in healthcare? Now from a care and health system perspective, given the strict regulations to monitor post-therapy administration outcomes, we believe that you no know, digital RWE solutions will play a pivotal role in providing patient monitoring software for keeping a track of the therapeutic outcome by, by working along with the physicians to take you know, informed decision making and kind of call out the outcomes and the treat adverse event, any other thing associated with that. Now this outcomes data can be leveraged by insurance players as well and the manufacturers themselves to eliminate the risk of non-agreement over endpoints and success rates. Now, for example, Care Matrix is one of the players which provide this type of solutions, and it has recently acquired or collaborated uh, with uh, Vintei OutRx, which is going to kind of complement uh, uh, their existing solutions to seamlessly provide uh, 
patient experience across areas like patient monitoring, logistic and supply chain monitoring, and therapy payment. Secondly, leading uh, private health, uh, private insurance companies, along with therapy manufacturer, will continue to explore annuity-based specialized reimbursement program to uh, ease the burden on, of high out-of-pocket spending by the patient. And in fact, recently Cigna has announced its plan to include Spark Therapeutics, Lusturna for in, inherited retinal disease, and Novartis Zolosma therapy for pediatric spinal muscular atrophy as part of its Embark Protection Plan starting 2020 which could further support patients by reducing or eliminating the out-of-pocket expenses burden. And finally, manufacturers, uh, as we see that pharma and patients, uh, uh, the gene therapy is going to be prohibitively high cost, which will you know, kind of keep uh, the reach or the access to this treatment uh, relatively low. Now, considering that, manufacturers need to establish a steady credit line by utilizing the annuity or what we call the installment-based payment, which can help to eliminate any adverse cash flow events considering the high risk associated with gene therapy. Uh, and recently, in fact, Bluebird Bio, which is one of the you know, early uh, innovators in the gene therapy space, has recently gained a marketing authorization for their gene therapy called as Lenitiglobin, priced at 1.7 million is planning to follow a similar footprint that Novart is followed for their gene therapy and to add up installment or annuity based payment models. Now with that, uh, let's move to uh, kind of touch base on the other remaining five predictions. Uh, and I just want to make a point that uh, if anyone is interested on the detailed version of this, we will be publishing our report soon after this uh, uh, webinar. Uh, which would be titled as Global Healthcare Predictions for 2020 by Frost and Sullivan. Now, starting with the fourth prediction on this slide, that is the I, regarding the uh, IPO present uh, prediction, we believe that uh, with so far continued VC funding mega rounds will make 2020 a banner year for digital health unicorns IPO exit. Now, as later stage VC funding deal share increase and mature, we believe that roughly around three to five unicorns or healthcare digital health icons will exit via IPO by end of 2020. Now, there are two chief reasons to anticipate increase in IPO, which has seen a dearth or no high decline in the last previous uh, half decades. First point, why we are kind of optimistic in this point is that until uh, uh, half of 2019, that is H1-2019, there are about 38 VC-backed healthcare unicorns that worth a combined valuation of 70 to 90 billion. And the cohort total valuation in 2019 continued to increase with funding uh, to, towards them. Some of the key companies would include in this like 23andMe, Tempus, Dr. Leap in the US, Benevolent AI, Oxford Nanopore Technologies in the US, UK, Octobock in Germany, United Imaging, Yai2, Helenas, iCarbonX, in, and VDoctor, in the China, among others. The second reason why we feel that no, there can be a good IPO churn in the next year, that is 2020, is that in the past few years, MNA have been the preferred exit option when compared against IPOs. Now, for example, if you go by the data from 2014 to 2019 Q1, there have been around 576 MNAs compared to just 
15 IPOs in this time period. Despite the IPO in the digital health space have performed comparably to their peers who have gone through the M&A's round. However, this M&A complicate healthcare startup existing contract in some cases with core healthcare companies who acquired the uh, startup you know, post being acquired uh, you know, can be a competitive threat or create competition conflict with the existing customer for the startup. Now, entering this, we uh, know, perceive business rate as well as comparable results with them, and we anticipate IPOs exit of healthcare startups to increase during 2020. Uh, moving to the next prediction, that is prediction number five. Uh, we believe that interoperability by pure play solution vendor will gain ground against standalone system. Especially interoperability will take, you know, finally take a major step forward in terms of government policies, vendor acceptance and strategic focus by health IT buyers. In the long run, we believe solutions that stand alone and do not enable data mobility will lose significant ground or only purchased. And there are typical reasons why, because in the, the different regions or different countries, health system have upcoming regulations, you know, kind of ensuring this uh, interoperability across their health system. For example, USCMS has proposed an interoperability rule during early 2019 that requires payers to participate in a trusted health information exchange network uh, and it is expected to begin from January 1st, 2020. Similarly, in Europe, we have you know, a lot of pending uh, uh, policies you know, in countries like Spain, uh, around interoperability to garner strong demand as uh, in the health systems. Estonia will strengthen as a digital health hub in 2020 with anticipated greater investment uh, in interoperability and IT solutions in the home care sector. Similarly, in the emerging market, um, you know, as per the industry estimates, uh, these emerging economies are projected to surpass or mat uh, mature economies in the overall data generation volume and based on estimates, you know, the, the, the data generation volume is increasing by around 48% each year. Now, this has resulted in a paradox risk scenario for emerging economies, which is called you know, being data rich but information poor. Now, typical specific countries which are aggressive in their policy making towards digitization or you know, prioritizing healthcare agenda, such as India has this year launched uh, you know, blueprint for their digital health platform and they are aggressively looking into the standard infrastructure to ensure interoperability in other spaces. The, the other thing is that the next is, uh, which is prediction number six, which is around the telehealth. <clears throat> now we believe telehealth will gain mainstream adoption in the overall mix of healthcare services or care delivery forums. And uh, we expect that it will expand, expand beyond the current focus on just chronic conditions. And it's especially by end of 2020, progressive health system will start to view uh, telehealth kind of a standard of care option for primary care virtual consultation. And in next two to three years, we believe telehealth will have full regulatory approval and clinical support in the mature health systems. And interestingly, uh, you know, as uh, telehealth gains a mainstream adoption, uh, the segment is attracting new players 
such as CVS Minute uh, Clinic, Walgreens Telehealth Station in the partnership with uh, Microsoft, Amazon's virtual care clinic for its Seattle employees, Best Buy through its Tyco, Tyco Care partnership, Walmart has also ex you know, expanded its telehealth services for its employees in Street State. So this is going to you know, create a lot of dynamics in terms of the telehealth or the virtual case space next year. Moving to the seventh prediction, we believe that precision medicine-led approaches will pave the path for next-generation health data analytics solution. Precision medicine analytics service market will cross roughly around 5 billion market by end of 2020. And especially, cognitive analytics platforms capable to leverage genomic, clinical, and lifestyle data available to the del uh, will deliver kind of actionable clinical insight, which will eventually you know, start to breach the last mile for precision medicine practice in actual clinical settings. And moving on to the last prediction, that is prediction number eight for today's discussion. Uh, we believe 2020 will be a year of retailization for healthcare industry. Now this has been happening and we continue uh, to see that you know, retail giants such as Amazon, Walmart, AliHealth, Best Buy, uh, Costco will you know, further stream the, uh, or propel the uh, consumerism mindset, especially the comparison shopping mindset for availing healthcare uh, services and products by their innovative business model. The retailization of industry is a large part driven by the you know, empowered patients with all the information, all the digital solutions they have. And in fact, retail strategy councils are becoming the norm in healthcare, where some healthcare companies are you know, catching on by forming retail strategy council to better understand the challenges facing industry and to take advantage of new opportunities. With that, uh, maybe you know, I could ask Anna to reveal the poll question's results uh, for our understanding. Anna, over to you. Thank you, Kalmanjad. So these are the uh, these are the poll results here. So it looks like uh, data analytics is at 53%, followed by cloud at 26%, and then 13% uh, with other, and then lastly 6% artificial intelligence. Thanks, Anna. That makes real sense. No, it's pretty much uh, as per our expectation, given the maturity and adoption data analytics and as we you know discussed uh, in terms of our uh, you know, 2019 prediction how we realize we see this type of things you know uh, especially analytic solutions getting by speciality is uh, certainly interesting and cloud will be you know foundational in fact some of the growth opportunities we are going to discuss uh, next will kind of capture some of these areas which we have seen as part of the poll result so moving to the next section, which is about the 2020 growth opportunities by major healthcare sectors uh, that we track. So the first uh, sector is pharma and biotech market. So these are the three growth opportunities for 2020 we, you know, we predict, especially talking about uh, the pharma uh, market, we believe that AI in pharma drug discovery uh, is one of the most active application both in both in terms of when we see the investment sentiment and as well as the development in the market in the recent past. Now globally, we believe that the revenue from AI application in pharma drug discovery will reach around 450 million by 2020 with focus mainly on finding new molecules, repurposing drugs and biomarker development. 
Now, the, the drug development uh, or the vendor landscape for providing AI solutions in the drug discovery space is still remains heterogeneous with some companies you know, kind of proving with uh, potential commercial engagement with leading vendors. We have large data analytics vendors like uh, Clarivata, IBM uh, Watson Discovery and also niche vendors like you know, uh, such as in silico medicine, Accentia, Biocell, among others. Now, moving to the second growth opportunity, we believe that uh, uh, focus on single-use equipment uh, will be a critical to eliminate validation, cleaning, sanitation cost, uh, which would enable kind of flexibility in downtime processing. Now, based on industry estimate, this can reduce personal and labor cost by 40 to 50 percent of current cost in the long run. But there has been no adoption and stride from leading pharma companies such as Novartis, GSK and Lilly have accelerated uh, uh, these programs um, uh, of displacing uh, to or no displacement to the continuous manufacturing which is poised to grow by 12 to 14 percent on an average by industry. Now, in fact, in uh, 20 during uh, last month, that is October 2019, Sanofi unveiled world's first digitally enabled continuous manufacturing facility for biologics connecting R&D with production process. Now, moving to the third growth opportunities, which is on the microbiome-based cancer immunotherapy. Uh, until 2019, there has been over roughly around 600 million investment poured in microbiome-based immuno-oncology therapies with special focus on colorectal and pancreatic cancer. Uh, now, dedicated federal funding vehicles such as EU's Oncobiome, which is a 15 million euro funding uh, for five year, over a period of five years, 2.1 million grants from the NIH, Cancer Research UK's 25 million fund to uh, name a few will be will be you know uh, kind of driving this market uh, for microbiome based cancer immunotherapy during 2020 and we believe about 10 to 15 new uh, uh, microbiome based immuno oncology assets will enter clinical trials by end of 2020 given all this investment and positive sentiments moving on to the next uh, sector that is medical technologies, uh, sorry, I, in vitro diagnostic. Uh, these are the top three growth opportunities for 2020 uh, we envision. And the first one is around the high throughput workflow instruments, which are, now, uh, yeah, which are now getting integrated with cell isolation, sample preparation applications. And by harnessing the power of microfluidics, we believe uh, uh, innovations for improving throughput and cost limitations will increase significantly and we project that single cell genomics market to reach 250 million by 2023 growing at a CAGR uh, of 17.8%. Similarly, in uh, the second growth opportunities around the direct-to-consumer microbiome test companies, uh, they are expected to kind of have a 100% rise in the volume of test in next 12 to 18 months. Now, for example, a vendor called like Viome, which provides a gut microbiome testing for weight loss and health, has crossed 100,000 customers and is you know, kind of quadrupling its test volume every quarter throughout 2019. 
Now, new direct-to-consumer microbiome test uh, companies will increasingly leverage latest sequencing technologies to provide personalized diet recommendation, leveraging AI and machine learning to as well improve the human gut health and wellness uh, insights. And finally, the third uh, growth opportunities around the antimicrobial resistance. This has become one of the one of the most serious health concern with an estimated around 700,000 deaths annually worldwide because of this condition. Now, despite a lot of research around the area, the market does not have a sufficient rapid diagnostic test for effective diagnosis of this infection. In particularly, the Europe, uh, the Europe Joint Programming Initiative on Antimicrobial Resistant Translational Working Group have uh, proposing a mix and a match implementation package which will provide an impetus for rapid infectious disease and antimicrobial resistant point of care testing innovation landscape. Now with that we anticipate the European infectious disease point of care uh, testing market is expected to reach roughly around 1.1 billion by 2020 growing at a figure of 13.4%. Now let's move to the next sector, that is medical technologies. And these are the three growth opportunities. The first one uh, is around the pain management. Uh, now, if you see this condition, of, uh, it, it has uh, the pain management has from a simple pain assessment score approach to you know, pain management in uh, evolving multiple ways. And we anticipate that you know, pioneering or the leading innovators uh, roughly around 2 to 5% of all hospitals in the developed uh, regions will adopt this nodal pain management solutions along with increasing use in the clinical settings. Now, talking about software as a medical device, as the medical industry shifts from the device to service mindset, we project the global opportunity for software as a medical device will be worth around 200 to 250 million during 2020 as it is gradually you know, replaces or supplements the traditional medtech market. Now the biggest advantage will be increased clinical trust and confidence because of this uh, you know, service uh, augmented by the software as a medical device concept. Talking about the robot assisted surgery, uh, in the recent past intuitive surgical has the dominance you know, and which is now being currently challenged with several major medtech OEMs developing or acquiring robotic capabilities, designs for specific procedures. To name a few, Stiker acquired Meco, Medtronic acquired Mazer, and un unveiled his robotic platform recently. Uh, Smith and & Nephew and Zimmer and uh, Zimmer Biomed have both acquired robotic capabilities for joint replacement surgeries, whereas we know about uh, Johnson & Johnson's Ethicon has partnered with Alphabet's Verily on a joint venture for their Verb Surgical, which is expected to make some big announcements in 2020 around this well-publicized Surgery 4.0 platform. Now, there is also other areas which are seeing robotics entering. For example, the Avra Medical Biotics, uh, robotics uh, for anesthetics in the plastic surgery procedures, uh, which is yet to be approved. There is also Neosis, which is a FDA-cleared robotic system for dental surgeries. With the entry of the medtech majors in the robotic space, we project that the robot-assisted surgery market will be roughly around 3.4 billion mar market by 2020. 
Now moving to the next sector that is uh, the uh, imaging, medical imaging sector. Uh, what we see is that you know, uh, service aeration will drive the long-term strategic partnership. Uh, in terms of the medical imaging, servitization business is driving the growth of strategic partnership or engagement between OEMs and providers. Now based on our estimate, about 50 new long-term contracts are except, expected to be signed in, by end of 2020 between leading to a potential opportunity for imaging vendors to cross-sell their consulting and multi-vendor services. Now, OEMs are now best positioned to deliver efficiency gain and cost reduction by bringing in new technologies, data analytics solutions, and new thinking in the workflow optimization use cases. Now, secondly, in terms of the total cost of ownership solution, with value becoming the new currency in imaging, lot of new technologies advancement have been directed towards enhancing the return on investment for imaging equipment. For example, the introduction of a blue seal magnet in the MRI uh, extended uh, life of CT tubes, one pro for all application, the ultrasound modalities, upgraded gradient and coil technologies in the MRI and various of the next generation technologies are expected to reduce the OPEX, that is the operating expense by 10 to 15, uh, 10 to 12 percent annually for imaging department. And the third, uh, third growth opportunity is around uh, the image-based uh, fractional flow reserve FFR for uh, the PCI treatment guidance. Uh, when we talk about you know, uh, FFR, uh, FFR, uh, FFR Non-invasive image uh, modalities would obtain, especially for the CT angiogram, has shown to be you know, equivalent to gold standard FFR performed using guide waves during an invasive coronary angiogram, leading to you know, this has led to uh, you know, typical authorized authorities such as NICE and ACC incorporating the procedure in their clinical guidance. So we will see next year that this uh, FFR no non-invasive uh, CT angiograms getting into no real play or the in the clinical settings used drastically in next year, and recently also another CathWorks FFR Rangio which analyzes life images during an invasive coronary angiogram secured FDA approval and the early trial result in fact so excellent correlation with the traditional invasive FFR procedures. So. These are some of the you know, growth opportunities we kind of uh, see for medical imaging space in next year. Moving to the you know, final sector that is healthcare IT segment, uh, we see that uh, uh, data visualization is expected to be a mainstream service when we talk about uh, healthcare data analytics, which in fact came out as one of the you know, largest um, uh, segment in terms of the impact during 2020. Now, payer guidelines that uh, mandate reporting of real-world evidence across the care continuum for all patient group will lead providers to spend up to around 35% of the total healthcare data analytics budget towards procurement of IT solutions that especially help in visualization both for clinical and regulatory outcome at scale and on real time. Genomics and radiology analytics will be, you know, investable opportunity when we move into 2020 as, you know, uh, it's, uh, some of the commercial applications are expected to kind of go first time in 2020. Talking about cloud services, uh, uh, 
it has been an early stage when we talk about actual deployment within healthcare industry the cloud represents incredible opportunity though for uh, in terms of software data platform and analytics vendors to serve healthcare providers payers and patients equally now with that we anticipate that the global revenue for providers in the healthcare cloud computing market will reach around 10 billion by uh, us dollars by 2021 primarily driven by the need for storage of the exponentially increasing healthcare data volume and vastity now combining big data with cloud services provide a cost effective platform for supporting advanced analytics technologies such as ai and digital twin concepts Talking about the second, uh, third growth opportunity is uh, uh, for the health IT segment is the is around cybersecurity managed services. Now, if you talk about the expenses and complexity of managing cybersecurity is drastically increasing, and uh, industry is seeing the outsourcing security function to third party is the best way to address this need. Now, with that, we believe that the U.S. managed cybersecurity service market to reach approximately 2.88 billion uh, USD by 2023 and is expected to grow at a 10% CAGR. Now opportunities definitely are there for managed service provider who can deliver healthcare specific you know, solutions, security solutions to payer, mainly to the payer and the provider segments. Now with that, I will pass it back to Renita to kind of you know, uh, conclude with her key thoughts and you know, maybe after that we can open for the Q&A round. Over to you, Renita. Thank you so much, Tamajit. Um, I just want to mention quickly that each of the growth opportunities that we covered for each of the different markets and segments, we have detailed uh, reports as well as analysts all over the world tracking these markets. So is there areas specifically that you are interested in for more deep dive or analysis, uh, please do get in touch with us and we'll be happy to take this forward. So obviously there's going to be a huge amount of change and transition and we're entering a very different world of healthcare in the decade of the 2020s. I believe that healthcare consumerism will become the most critical change agent. This is going to be more focused on consumerism and how to make meet patients' needs where they are outside the four walls of the hospital, and this will drive a lot of innovation and technology in the future. The advent of digital solutions will shift focus from curative to preventive wellness. The questions we need to ask ourselves is how relevant is our current offering, taking the future and mega trends into account for the healthcare consumer in the future. I think it will become even more critical for us in implementation of technology to constantly evaluate and differentiate the hype from the reality, especially when it comes to technology novelty versus clinical meaningful use cases. Today, most of the curriculum and skills for healthcare education will become irrelevant in the next 10 to 15 years. What are we doing to cater to this new demand and need? And most importantly, digital transformation goals need to be shaped and adjusted to ethical and scientific considerations outside of business and financial gain. Because at the end of the day, we are in the business of helping humans have a better quality of life. So with this, I'd like to pass it over to Anna, who will take this forward. Thank you. 
Thank you, Renita. So um, we have a few minutes for some questions, and we will um, take those, and then the other questions we did not get to address, we'll take that offline So and get back with you. So our first question here is that um, do, do we see AL solving problems in the area of cardiology, oncology, or any other segment? And I can take that. Now, I wouldn't say that AI is you know, going to be the magic bullet to solve you know, pertaining healthcare challenges uh, in general or in the cardio or oncology space. But definitely, uh, no, it will continue to augment physicians in making clinical decision uh, skills in both cardio and oncology space. Now, talking specifically about AI and imaging uh, oncology space, um, as discussed, uh, yeah, as part of our one of the growth opportunities and, in fact, some of the discussions earlier, the current focus is on basic image analysis application, which is augmenting radiologists or the cardiologists in their workflow. And areas to focus still remain around image biomarker analysis, radiomics, phenomics, and radiogenomics. Now, talking specifically, for example, in lung cancer or to any other oncology space, AI can also help in longitudinal tracking of how a patient has improved or deteriorated by comparing two images at different time to assess whether treatment is working or not. Now, talking about uh, emerging approaches, we believe that uh, you know, especially cognitive clinical decision support solutions uh, will enable cardiologists to understand care types, leveraging past history, clinical data, imaging and diagnostic data to provide guided approach for treatment. For example, in fact, Philips recently collaborated with Danafara, a clinical platform which enables oncologists with recommendations for specific therapies and available clinical trial to match the patient characteristics such as specific gene mutations and among others. Now, coming to the cardiac space specifically, AI can bring in objectivity, what I believe, in the cardiac uh, function and analysis, removing observers' dependence or bias and variations. Now, as we discussed in one of the growth opportunities under medical imaging sector, CT-based re replacement of guidewire-based, no, invasive guidewire-based FFR with non-invasive image-based FFR is a classic opportunity during 2020. Similarly, by leveraging AI interventional cardiologists can get real-time information to decide whether the blockage have to be treated or not, if a stent is needed or not. Those type of decisions can be augmented by AI in the cardiac space. Now, some of the key vendors working in this space would include DIA Imaging, which provide you know, mod, uh, AI solutions uh, in the ultrasound modality, which is both FDA and CE approved. We have uh, other vendors like Arteries for cardiac MRI, which provides analysis on heart segmentation. And you know, based on their claim, they can save 25 minutes, a 30% faster interpretation uh, leveraging AI solution. And talking about the teleradiology space, AI application will help in assigning specialists and also prioritizing the workflow list in terms of the you know, patient's conditions or the seriousness. Hope that answered in some way. Anna, over to you. 
Thank you, Kalmanjit. So one more question here. We have a few more minutes here. Um, so how is the outlook for the blockchain, excuse me, how is the outlook for the blockchain technology in healthcare application for 2020? Oh, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And uh, no, the, the reason we know I personally is passionate about blockchain and track them. Uh, but still, you know, uh, despite all the hype and reality, blockchain is still uh, still relatively at a very nascent stage uh, when we talk about core healthcare application space. But based on our recently published research last month, what we find that early commercial success mainly acts across few select use cases, and such as the healthcare professional credentialing, medical billing management, contract education, track and trace of drugs, especially for the serialization requirement, are some of the promising use cases. And these are mainly addressed by, as Renita mentioned um, uh, at the early, by the working group or consortium or network forming approach. And uh, uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, no, uh, who are the early adopters, we believe that uh, health insurance payers, providers, and pharma companies are expected to be the early adopters of blockchain systems compared to other healthcare industry stakeholders. And in next two to three years, uh, leading health systems and private insurance and pharma organization are expected to move beyond pilot projects. In fact, there are some of, some companies like Change Health already have a you know, running pilot project for uh, running a you know, commercial project for uh, claim education. The few other companies, you know, um, like Mediledger, is working with most of the larger pharma companies in the U.S. to address the approaching serialization, saleable return requirement in the U.S. market for the drug and the wholesalers, um, uh, stakeholders. And in near future, what we believe, blockchain technology will complement healthcare data to intelligent journey, meaning that uh, it will be viewed more as an underlying technology for healthcare data management, IOMT solutions, and more importantly, AI vendors will aggressively see the complementing nature of AI, uh, sorry, blockchain to kind of enable uh, uh, no, decentralized uh, learning and asset. For example, if you see one of the biggest bottleneck for AI is the data liquidity. Now, blockchain can improve the data liquidity to empower AI analytics. Uh, which can you know, ensure to digest a large amount of clinical operation and financial data. Whereas at the same time, AI can actually manage blockchain system more efficiently than humans. So we are believing in the short term, it will be more of a B2B enterprise use cases, mostly in the work stream, you know, operational use cases that would be adopted. And that will be purely driven by the network effect. And, you know, and in the long term, people will slowly start to see the convergence potential of blockchain with other emerging technologies, driving business uh, model innovation and care delivery innovations. Over to you, Anna. Thank you, Kalmajit. Thank you, Renita. So um, this is going to conclude our session for today. As before, uh, we have a lot of questions coming in, so the team will get back with you offline. Also, for those that have joined us in the middle or towards the end of the presentation, feel free to uh, re, uh, replay the um, 
the webinar on our on-demand recording link that you'll have access to in a few minutes. And we want to thank everyone for joining us today. As a quick reminder, under your Attachments tab, we have the six predictions shaping the global healthcare landscape. So each year, Frost & Sullivan releases predictions uh, for the global healthcare industry based on industry-leading analyst experience capturing the notable growth opportunities, technologies, and trends. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day.